0: Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. I would like to um, challenge that view of the church being, because God's not saving everyone now, that it's okay for us to be to be pretty happy with the Church remaining in a pretty s- stagnant uh, state, um, By saying it does not, it, it, it is not, it, the commission that is given to us is that we must go out, let us, let us get it straight, the growing of the Church is something that God does. But the commission to go out and to preach the gospel so that all possibly that can hear it is not there's no question as to whether that is to be done. So there are two things we're talking about. We're talking about whether we are doing what Christ has commissioned, which is to go out and to preach the gospel so that everybody as far as possible can hear it and then I think it is then that we can really come to the view as to whether God wants a small church because unless we are doing that we don't know who God is calling so if we are not going out and presenting the gospel it is as though we are taking a decision God is not calling anyone else so let us not go out and, and do what the Great Commission says that for me is a problem Jesus said I will build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But beyond that, sometime close to the day of Pentecost, it seems it was, that Jesus made a statement in which he said, There are four months to the harvest. And it seems to me that, you know, it was sometime like the fall harvest coming up. Because he yeah, said there were four months to the harvest. And when you look at the, the arrangement of the feast days, It is between the Feast of um, Pentecost and the Fall Festivals that you find that four months. And you see that he was looking at the time of the big harvest. And here's what he said. He said, The harvest is right, but the the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest may send workers into his harvest. And it would appear that it does not go against what we teach. We teach that God is not saving everyone now. That is true. But we also teach that it is the first fruits of God's resurrection who are going to be ruling with Christ over the nations to bring them to God. And evidently what Christ was talking about was not the calling of everyone when he said that, but he was talking about the workers. So it's the workers' team, which is the church. So he's looking at the church and saying, look, you're not enough. You're not big enough. I don't have enough workers. So we must not confuse the two things. we're saying that, you know, God's not saving everyone now. We agree with that. So there are a lot of people that he's not ready to call yet. But there are many that he wants to call who are the workers in the harvest. So the mission of the church is to be able to um, go after those who God is calling now to become workers in his harvest that the harvest, the, the latter harvest, the workers in that harvest can be sufficient. So he says pray That the Lord of the harvest may send workers into this harvest. I believe that those workers are lacking. And I believe that that is one of the deficiencies of the Church of God today. And for that reason, I want us to look at how God grows his church. There are examples in the scriptures that support the view that there is a two-dimensional growth to the church. I think it was alluded to at some point in our discussion this morning, that there is the spiritual growth which is a strengthening and a building up of the brethren in the faith and there is the numerical growth so there are two levels of growth so that a church can be growing numerically, yet it's not growing spiritually spiritually and I put it to you that usually, when a church is not growing spiritually, and if you see it growing numerically, the growth is what you could call artificial. Meaning, we are utilizing uh, substances, if you may, for, just for, to be this graphic, to, to boost it the way you would boost your agricultural growth, by throwing a lot of chemicals on it. But it is not coming out of the real Substance which God would want to use it to grow. So people can use a lot of music and they can do a lot of concerts and then they can go and say, Oh, come and you'll be healed. And they can go and do so many things and they can draw in a lot of people. But that's not the growth we're talking about. So we need to differentiate between these growth. The thesis, if you may, I would like to place on the table and for us to seek to defend is that God does not add to his church until the church is being spiritually um, mature. That's the time. In other words, uh, a prerequisite for numerical growth is spiritual growth. And To a great extent, and I say this very delicately and respectfully, the Church of God has not been growing in maturity. And there's evidence of it the maturity of the Church. Here's the evidence the Church of God has been undergoing splits upon splits upon splits and defection upon defection and people running from this congregation to that one and to that one to another. Why? Because we are not able to manage much of the issues that arise in the church, that's an evidence of immaturity, spiritual immaturity. And what I want to do is to go into the scriptures, and I know we have just an hour to work within an hour. And I'd like to um, take us to Acts 2. And I want you to first of all look at verse 47. Let's look at that. And it ends this way. It says in Acts 2.47, And the Lord added to their number... Daily, those who were being saved, now that's a very loaded statement, because what it is saying is, that people who God would have been calling to be saved, are the ones that he's adding. A point I would like to make in this presentation at some point, is that God does not add to his church people who he is not saving. Put another way, God does not bring terrorists. It is not God who brings terrorists into his church. God brings wheat into his church. If you go back to the parable used by Jesus, and the the men were saying, um, you know, we saw we saw you planted these good seeds, but we saw a lot of weeds. Where did the weeds come from? He said, the enemy popped in and sprinkled some weeds in, but he was not the master of the harvest that did that. That's the analogy. So God is, is, God is actually calling people and he has foreordained them and he's calling them into his church. And those are the ones who when they hear the gospel, It will make sense to them, and they will will come in. Now, the words the Lord added to their number daily. But if you go now to verse 42, let's take it from there, of that same Acts 2. You will see the circumstances in which God added. God added to the church because something was happening it was seen that there was spiritual growth, there was maturity. At the point I want to make, I would like to also give you some kind of a glimpse into the converse of that, which is, when the church began to lose its spiritual growth and, and was declining in maturity, that's when the numbers began to, fell off, to fall off. So that you will see that after Acts, when you come into the epistles, and you see Paul writing to the church, uh, you know, trying to get them to behave, trying to get them to, to relate to one another, trying to get them to, to, to lift up their, their standard morality and so on, those were the issues in the church later. And by the time you get down to the book of Revelation, you're seeing a very fledgling, a church that is almost going out of extinction, that's what you're seeing in the book of Re- Revelation. So the, both stories are there, the story of when they were growing and the circumstances, and the story of when they were declining and the circumstances. So let's see what we can cover in this, in this study um, to, 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 um, to, to sort of um, prove those points. In Acts 2.42, here is the circumstance. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we are seeing here a circumstance in which the the apostles were teaching the doctrines. We see where there was engagement, there was a deep interest, devoted themselves to. Is, is a very strong term to say. Look, they set everything else aside, and they were really honed in to the teachings of the apostles. So that was and one of the examples of the level of. Um, the appetite that they had for growth, for understanding, and how they were they were dealing with it. Verse thirteen: Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The, the, these miracles that God wants to perform in His church is is something else. That the church of God, th- that kind of power. Now I know we understand that miracles and signs and wonders is one of the issues, is one of the displays of the of the, of the false church at the end of time. We see that in, in the scriptures. But we should never go away with a view that God has ceased to work miracles in this church. The Bible doesn't say that. What it shows is that there is an imitation and a false um, you know um, what you call counterfeit system that will arise. But that does not negate the power of God in this church, that he would, would do mighty works in it. Verse forty four All the believers were together and had everything in common. And that were having everything in common would suggest that they were of one mind. It it suggests that, you know, they were selfless. That you know, I don't, I don't look at this and say, this is mine and that is yours. That's not the ideal. You're, you're seeing maturity coming out of this. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as had need. So, you know, whatever is mine is yours because really, we're here to serve each other. That kind of selflessness. So, they were not caught to themselves. You In a church like this, you would not get people who are, are offended, you know, easily because somebody said something, because they don't even care about themselves. They are thinking about the church, they are thinking about what God wants, they are thinking about each other. That was the, 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 the nature and the, the, the character of the church. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they, they broke bread in their homes, um, which really was, was a very great um, example both in the church and in the home, they were, they, they were doing this, they were visiting each other, they were, they were doing many uh, things uh, together in terms of, you know, some of the, 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 um, the denominations say that this is uh, what do you call, um, taking uh, communion and so on, but you know, again, because we understand the, 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 the scriptures in terms of God's feast and so on, you know, that's not it. The, the terminology of breaking bread it's commonly used in in, in scripture for sharing a meal or something of that sort so that's that's really what it was so they were were really entertaining each other sitting down and I don't think they just meant to eat I think they meant to share the word they meant to talk they meant to fellowship they meant to deepen the, the bond that's what it was doing and of course praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and so on it is it is this these things that preceded the words and God added to his church daily and if you were to follow through that that really um, that, that situation um, continued because it, it shows you if you go into verse 41 um, verse 41 of Acts 2 it shows you those who had received the word were baptized and they and there were added that day about 3,000 look we can't say that God has called all the people that he wanted at the, the, during the time of the, the, the New Testament uh, you know, in the New Testament we can't okay, say that I do not know of any, no matter the mega churches how big they are that you're talking about 3,000 people just within a day a day. Yes, you have seen that baptisms, maybe 3,000 or so, of people who they are accumulating over a long time. He says 3,000 were added that day uh, to the church. And you go on, you step down to verse 47 of the same Acts 2. And it says, And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day. We read that. You go down to, you go over to chapter 4 from Acts. And look at verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. It says, And many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 men alone. 5,000. If you add the number of women and the number of, you know, all the members of the family, you know, because uh, many families were in the church, you would see that this is an enormous number of people. Go over to chapter 5, quickly please. It shows you there, um, verse 14 of chapter 5. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were added to the church. Now notice, it is talking about multitudes were added to the church. These, These are significant things. That's a church that was growing. That's a church that will display maturity in the very early stages of the church. Turn over to chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, And the word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. They were now impacting even those who were stronghold priests, who were, of course, not acknowledging Christ, were not coming into the faith. So it's not just ordinary That means the teaching was strong. It means they were able to contend with the many um, arguments that the priests could bring against this issue of, of Christ. You know, we could go on to chapter 9 and verse 31, chapter 12, verse 24, chapter 16, verse 4, and, and so on. I mean, many, many other verses show that. But the point we are making is that there was a significant growth that took place in the church during that time. Now, how therefore did the church decline? I'm talking about in the New Testament. It's a very good case study for us. How did the church, therefore, a church like that, that was growing and blossoming, how did it? By the time you get to the book of Revelation, you're seeing God speaking to the seven churches and you're seeing the statements He's making about them. They are in chaos. They are in a state of decline. They're in problems. You will see. if you look at Galatians 5 and verse 15 what was happening is that they began to turn against each other and Galatians put it very well they were biting and they were devouring one another Galatians 5 they were consumed of one another evidently the growth took so much they were growing so fast that the quality it is likely and this is now just a scenario I'm looking at it is likely that the growth was so fast and and, and so they, they were dealing with so many new people coming into the faith and not only that but there were a number of Gentiles who were coming in who did not understand the, the basic Jewish tradition of the faith and they were coming out of maybe pagan cultures and so there was now a kind of a situation where you needed uh, the, the teaching needed to to change a little bit because you can't assume anymore that these people believed in the traditions that were laid down before. So they were running into a problem, and evidently, it's, there's a lot of problems in the church. They were consumed with one another, Biting and devouring one another. Is 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 a they were disturbed with envy. Look at Philippians 1, and verse 15. And Paul would say, Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The church was, so in other words, even those who were preaching were, were not coordinated. The teaching was no longer unified. There was a kind of a, maybe you had a number of people who they were appointing people to do some teaching and some preaching. And they were not as as um, qualified in the scripture uh, explained. Philippians 2 and verse 14, you see there, Paul is, 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 is admonishing them. Do all things, do all things without complaining and disputing. Why would he say that to them? That's the opposite of what those happening in Acts two. That's the opposite. Look at the church. The church is beginning to be a church where people are not getting along. And they were disputing, and no no doubt many were leaving the church because they could not take much of what was happening. Philippians 4, verses 2 to 3. Listen to Paul speaking. Implore Yoda, Yodia, and implore Sintasis to be of the same mind in the Lord. In Acts, they were all of the same mind. Here we see the church. It is, it, is, it, is, it is divisions that are taking place. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. So these evidently these are very strong women in the faith. Help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life in order to help them to get along maturity was declining spiritual growth was declining and you can go into the book of Corinthians you can go into the book of, of Ephesians, you can go into into many of the, the, the epistles, you will see that turn please to First um, Corinthians 6 um, verses 1 we'll see how quickly we can go through there uh, and skip some of the verses here's Paul look look at what is happening to this church that was founded at at Pentecost and that was growing 5,000 and 3,000 and multitudes were being added when everything was going well look at what is happening, Paul is saying to them dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints taking one another to court Verse 7, Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong, because that's maturity. Maturity is when you can accept wrong and allow the church to grow. Why do you not um, rather let yourself be cheated, giving up your rights for the good, the common good? No. You yourselves do wrong, and cheat, and you do these things to your own brethren. The point we're making is, you can see a development in the church. So, let's look at it. There's a point at which the church at Pentecost uh, was founded. There was a high in which they paid attention to the teachings, They were not only paying attention to the teachings doctrinally, but they were also um, utilizing and applying the teachings to their lives. So they were growing and maturing, and God was adding daily. And there were thousands and multitudes being added. And then we are seeing that same church um, beginning to decline in its, its spirituality and its maturity. Now, do you think the numbers remained the same as they were growing? Nothing in the Bible really shows that, they, that there was that um, that kind of growth. In fact, in fact, as this uh, persisted, what we're going to see is that the time we get the book of Revelation, turn with me to Revelation two. and and 3 and going over into into Revelation 3 where you see the churches the sub-churches you're beginning to see the words now of Christ to the churches in Ephesus if you read about the church in Ephesus we're not going to spend much time reading it it is saying that they no longer have the love you've lost your first love that was the state they were in And God is threatening each one of these churches that look, you better get back on form, otherwise I'm going to take away your last set. He's, he's, He's going to punish that is the language that was coming out. You look in Pergamos. Pergamos, they were tolerating heresy and error. That is what happened when error comes into the church. That is what happens when people begin to say, well, you know, and they are bringing their own doctrines. Heresy. You look at Fat and they were comfortable with the sins. Oh, why bother? I mean, why, do you think you, you, are not, you don't have sins too? So, so, nobody can tell anyone about their sins anymore. So, we all become comfortable with our sins. You look at Sardis and you know they were doing many many things but the the church was not really growing. The Laodicean church it shows you there that the church in Laodicea they were what the Bible calls no warm, room temperature. You know what we don't we must not offend anybody so you know what let us not bother to preach anything about the one true church Oh, don't bother. You know what? God is finding a way to save everybody. So they don't have to keep any a feast. So don't bother telling anybody about feast days. Don't bother to tell them. Let us honestly, everybody is in Christ. So what they are saying that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that is okay. So you cut out the distinctives, you cut out the hard doctrine. And you're beginning to say, oh, people are coming into the church, although they're coming from other churches and so on, they were baptized over there, oh, that's okay. You know, they were baptized already. You, you become this sort of all, being all things to all persons, in a sense. Which is not in the sense that Paul said. it. And therefore the lukewarmness. and therefore you are seeing by the time you get to the book of Revelation it's good, you start there in the book of Acts you end in the book of Revelation and you have the middle and what is in the middle is showing you the developments that took place you are seeing how it grew at the beginning when things were going well you saw how it declined spiritually and in maturity and then you saw the result at the end God, the lesson is this God adds to his church when the church is growing spiritually growing and maturing spiritually that is the lesson the lesson is if you want the church to grow and this is a message to Burlington to us in Toronto to the churches of God across if you want the church to grow numerically focus on growing spiritually. If you delve in and seek to to rise to the standards that you see in Acts two, I, I think we all should to just say, you know what? Why don't we do it? Why don't we try to to, to, to outdo the brethren? In Acts 2. Let them be let them be your standard, let them be your model. And why we try it? Try it for a while. And see what God does. Try it sincerely. Don't do it like an experiment. Um, do it sincerely, fully. Because God understands the heart, God cannot be mocked. And see how we will grow. I believe that this is a timely message for the Church of God. I believe it is time for the Church of God to do introspection to see why it has been so stagnant and why it has been so, it has been dwindling more than anything else. Why there have been so many splits, why it is that you are not having young people, more young people into the Church. So how do we get the church members of the church to grow? How do we get them to become mature? What do we do for all of us to become uh, spiritually mature? I think the the model in the scriptures is that just what Jesus said he appointed apostles and and the teachers and advanced and so on for the building up of the saints for good works what is it? what is good works? in one sense yes it is to do the works of God generally but more specifically the book of Acts says to us when Jesus said in the very first part of it wait here in Jerusalem (coughs) and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you will receive power to be witnesses for me I think the church of God has failed to to model or to adhere to that particular instruction where the members of the church of God every one of us should be trained to be witnesses for Jesus Christ it is the process of training the body of Christ to become witnesses for Christ, that training that also brings with it spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. If you go back to Acts 8 and you would look there and see where the persecution came upon the church, the same church that was growing at that time, they were not yet declining in, 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 in in the maturity. They were still growing. Acts 8, you look at there. You'll see that a great uh, persecution came upon the church. And what does the book of Acts say? It says, they were scattered, all of them. Just scattered. And the scattering of them, they went about preaching and teaching. Look at that. Persecution comes upon the church. And rather than the church folding, rather than the church finding itself in crisis, the church became stronger. That is because when they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were being prepared to go out and to be witnesses. And they were also taught that you must go through much tribulation to enter the kingdom of God. And they understood that. So when the persecution came, they were not surprised. Do you know today if a little crisis should come upon the church how many people just dwindle? Do you know how many people if just something should happen where there is um, you know somebody is just offended, how quickly they just run away from the church? That tells you about the state of the church today. A good believer when pressure comes on, when crisis comes on when, when 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 the persecution comes on, that believer gets stronger. It is it is like it's like tar. I don't mm-hmm. know tar, you know tar. Is it, they used to do the road. I I, I used to notice it. the harder you hit it, is 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 the tougher it gets. Or or it's like uh, you know my dad used to tell me a good man is like a rubber ball. The harder you hit him, the higher he springs. You know, that's how we are when we are doing it. Because the more, the more, or there's a saying that, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Those kinds of things begin to happen when we are mature. If you want to know immature people, just just make it a little test and see when offense comes. There's not a place for me. We have not learned how to say, you know what? This is God doing his work in me. I'm a child. Nothing happens to me. The Lord ordered the steps of those who serve him. And all things work together for good to them and not the Lord. And I know that these things, these trials are working out for me an eternal glory. Those were the things understood by the early church. Why, when persecution came upon them, when offense came, they were able to become stronger. And that is what the Church of God today needs to model. And that is what Burlington needs to be a a sort of example, a sort of model to the Church of God. To say, you know what, you can grow, but here is the formula, we need to be able to do it. And so to build spiritual maturity, When we do that, we will have to get down into things, some very key things about, you know, according to what the scripture teaches us, teaching individuals to spend the time in understanding the word in a much deeper way. Helping believers to understand why you are in the church. Many people are in the church because, you know, maybe there are some things they believe. They like prophecy. And prophecy, you know, they're here because of that. Or they have relatives in the church. Or, you know, they used to go to the church from long ago, from worldwide days. And so they have come to say that that is the church. But we need to have a greater purpose for being, a greater understanding of what purpose for being in the church. We are called, Christ says, except a man can deny himself, and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. We are in the church, we are not here, we are the opposite of the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. We, we do not believe that we are here for God to bless our checkbooks. We do not believe that we are here because, you know, we, we cannot, we, we do not believe that we are here, so because we are here, nothing will go wrong with our children. We don't believe that because we're here, there's not going to be a crisis coming upon us. We believe as much as Jesus learns obedience through suffering, so it is that the followers of Jesus Christ will learn to endure to the end. That's what the Bible means. And they that endure to the end, how can anyone endure to the end except there is something to endure? How can anyone be called an overcomer except there's something something to overcome? These are some critical things that we need to do. It is important, therefore, for us to get onto a course of teaching where what we're teaching is resilience to become resilient Christians. resilient against the hazards of our times. Resilience that when it comes, it is it is the kind of resilience that makes you grow in the midst of of the of the of the, of the, the stress and the difficulties. The doctrines. Each one of us should spend the time re-engaging into the doctrines and the teachings that Christ has laid down for us each one of us should develop skills in sharing the word when you come to church you don't come to church just for you I don't come to church just for me I come to church because I want to be informed that I can go and share there is a purpose so when I listen to sermons I am listening to it actively and purposefully and for application and those are the kinds of things lifestyle witnessing where my life if I cannot get to even speak to the person by looking at me I am modeling Jesus Christ to them let others see Jesus in you relationship building every one of us we have families we have relatives We have cousins and aunts and and children and grandchildren and uncles and we have them. What does our being in the church of God mean to them? What are we saying to them? How many of them are we able to to sit in that chair? Of course, I know there are many who don't, don't listen. We understand that. But you know what? Many instances in the Bible where God called people he called families on many occasions the families came or they went and witnessed to their families so you have a captive audience an audience which is your own family you don't have to feel badly about it but hope does our family see us does our family see some things about us that attract them so much that they say you know what i want to see what aunt jody or aunt uncle whatever his church because you know, when the family is in crisis or when this is happening, I just notice something different about this auntie. I see something different about this uncle. We are able to do that, and, and the, so the whole thing of emotional control and self-control and contentment, no matter what is happening, all those things are supposed to be supposed to be there the phenomenon of a spiritually mature church cannot be underestimated let's let's really turn to Acts um, let's Acts 8 and verse 4 very quickly we start in verse 1 and Saul was there giving approval to his death that is the death of Stephen That's Saul, who became Paul. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all, except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea. Verse 4 Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. (laughs) That is what we want to do in the church. We want people, when after the Sabbath, after the feast, whenever, we, we are we, we have come to church and what we have learned, we want to go out and to share and to to, to um, share with others. We see Jesus doing this, sending out his disciples in tools and doing the, the, the kind of evangelistic work that the church is supposed to be doing. We're seeing also in the Bible that the Bible says so we not we're not trying to say something to you that is not really representing the word of God because what it says is we must always be ready to give a defense for the faith that is within us so each one of us must be in a state of readiness what it means is that in as much as a storm may be coming such as you know a, you know, a tornado, a hurricane, a tsunami and we, we, we know we've we got to be ready but there is a spiritual tsunami coming there is a spiritual tornado coming we know that because we know the enemy seeks to devour and to destroy like a roaring lion so it is our duty to begin to get that spirit of and that commitment to ready ourselves and to say we are prepared you know what this means? it really means a personal commitment it is one thing to make a commitment to be in the church to come to church but it's another thing to make a commitment now to become an active witness for Jesus Christ and I think Christ is looking at us he's wondering what are we about anyhow where are we not sharing the word (coughs) with others and it's not very difficult. Let me ask you some questions. And this is not just in church. I know people do this in, in businesses, In order to get to talk to people. They, they would say, Who do you know that recently had a death in the family? Do you know the compassion that Jesus showed? If Jesus were around now and he knew in his village of the death in a family he would have gone to show compassion. Why why don't we use the opportunity to go? Who do you know that has recently um, you know had a newborn? A baby is born into the family, and you've gone over there and you share with them and use an opportunity to get a little information in. In order to just to be a witness for Christ, I'm not. I'm not saying that you are necessary. Going, these persons are going to be called. All I'm saying you're doing what Christ says you must do. That's what I'm saying. If, if Christ is calling them, he will. But building relationships, it is shown in Scripture that relationship building was an important part of the building of the church. We can delve um, in it in a big way today. But you'll see where, where um, when the woman at the, the, the well, after she heard from cry, she went home. And she started speaking to a lot of people, telling them about this man she met. So it, that is, that's the kind of thing that we are called upon to do. You know someone that seems interested in a man's study? Because they are, because there are many people out there. How many have you ever invited to the church? How many persons since you are in the church, you have ever invited to the church? No, we are not asking for answers now. We are just saying, think about it. How many persons are in the church because you are in the church? And who do you know that is having some hard time with their children? And they can't take it anymore. And they, and they need some help. And your, your, your pastor could probably be a good counselor. Or something of that sort. These are ways. In other words, God provides a way to reach people. So it's not just a matter of going out there and preaching and teaching. It's building relationships that can. So, <clears throat> here are some things that we, we will do as a church. We're going to have to build, rebuild the zeal of, 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 of the congregation. The zealousness, passion, commitment for works. Um, good works the Christ that we must do it's something that we, we all need to do and each one of us each one of us can do it I was saying to um, uh, someone recently that you know you may say that here is a small congregation of, of the church of God that has um, 12 people and they are all 60 and over In the church. So one way we can say, oh, please, you know, this church is going to, in another 30 years, you know, maybe none of these people are going to be around because it would have been, back then, everybody's past 90, and nothing is happening, maybe the church will not be around anymore. That's one way of looking at it. The other way is, what a blessed church. A church that has matriarchs. Patriarchs, twelve people who are probably the most respected people in their families. Twelve people who have not only children but grandchildren <coughs> that they can actually invite to come out and say, "Why not come out to church with Grandma this week?" when you know that something special is going to go on, and at least introduce them. It's a place of power. So to to look at that and to say, boy, you know, it's a flexing church in me. No, no, no. That church has resource. Everything that God does has purpose. We just have to discover the purpose. We have to improve things like regular attendance to church. We have to provoke one another onto good works. Provoke one another unto good works. In other words, I encourage you, you encourage me. Aaron sharpens iron. We have to develop that culture within the church. We have to grow in knowledge and understanding. So the studies that we are doing, the Bible studies, don't miss them. And, and delve into them and, and, and ask the questions and utilize them um, greatly. We have to get into evangelism. We have to be actively engaged into the evangelistic Programs as as they come along to do the visitation and so on, and we have to grow in leadership. We need to have more of the, the the elders and more of the deacons, you know, growing in the church so that there can be more more capacity. We have to have more people who are heading up ministries and doing things in the church. Everyone being engaged and 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 uh, doing things like that. But you know where it started? It started by first of all teaching the fundamentals of a faith teaching the fundamentals of a faith, this is where it all started when you do the fundamentals, a number of things just fall in place so it is not so much saying to people look, um, why are you not doing this why are you not doing that, that's not where we begin we simply teach do you believe this, that's what Christ is saying I am the resurrection of the life do you believe this that's a question. When we learn these fundamental things, do we go ahead and build it? Do we have hardcore, committed Christians that that are, are, are so are so formed that they have this deep passion and, and 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 willingness to go out there and to do the work? I believe that the basis of numerical growth is spiritual growth. And I believe you can tell if a church is going anywhere based on its level of maturity. It is not the numbers. It matters not how small we are. That's not what matters. It is quality. Qualitative growth brings quantitative growth. If we grow qualitatively, we will grow quantitatively. Let us focus. Let us make this commitment. Let us give God a chance to to really do his work among us. I believe that God is ready to do a mighty work among us. While he's waiting upon us to do our part. And I believe it's not going to happen with just the ministers doing their work. Or just a few people doing their work. It has to be they all had everything in common. It is not one or two. It is they all. It is when we shall have attain to that, that ultimately we will see how God grows his church. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at CGIBurlington.org.